You're listening to ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host. And with me today is Dr. Marge Cohn, Senior Staff Physician at Stroger Hospital in Chicago and serves as the Director of Women's HIV Research. Additionally, she's the founder and former director of Women and Children HIV Program at Stroger. She's also the Medical Director of WEACT and Associate Professor of Medicine at Rush Medical School. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. To begin with, uh, Dr. Cohn, could you tell me a little bit about WEACT? Uh, WEACT is a group of uh, international physicians and advocates and journalists that sees as essential efforts to reduce HIV infection in women, young women, girls, and to ensure that there's good prevention and treatment availability. And to also acknowledge that violence, gender-based violence, poverty, um, are factors that are fueling the increase of transmission of HIV in women and young girls around the globe, and that if we attend to these, we can reduce that. This begins with the terrible violence that took place in Rwanda in 1994. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, there were about a million people who were killed, including 300,000 children, and an uh, enormous number of women, about a quarter of a million, were raped and purposely infected with HIV. So we think it's very important how gender-based violence in this situation, that's a war, a conflict, can increase the amount of HIV. But even in non-conflict situations, violence against women, either as coercive marriage, forced sex, um, transactional sex, where women feel the need to exchange sex for money or lodging, absolutely impact the rising numbers of women with HIV. Is this continuing, violence against women? Oh, it's, it's a major problem. It continues in, in Rwanda, but not only in Rwanda. Violence against women is an issue that is global. One out of four women, um, it's been reported in many countries, will experience some sort of abuse or physical, emotional, or sexual attack. And it's very important for us to name this issue as one that men and women have to address so that the paradigm changes. How do you build up the strength of women so that they can resist this terrible violence that's that's affecting our whole world? Well, for one, I think it's an issue of impunity. I mean, we have to say that men can't get away with this, that men have to, that countries and governments have to attend to this. And when you have gender-based violence and you have the virus of HIV, which you do in Africa, then it means that you've created this incendiary approach to transmission of the infection. So it's really very important. But it's obviously important, even if there isn't HIV there, for women to not be demeaned, to women to not be abused, and for women who often in many societies have less economic power, property, educational opportunities, to be considered by the government and by the society at large as not the recipient of violent attacks and abuse by men. So there's really, women sort of have taught us how to be, have taught themselves how to fight back and be strong, but they really need um, resources, they need counseling, they need support, they need their own educational system. We know that education is an incredible way to reduce poverty. And once you reduce poverty, you often reduce abuse. You're involved, I understand, in running clinics in Rwanda. What are those clinics like and what do they provide? We have medical care for women, men, and children with HIV infection in terms of evaluating them, running their immune function, the T-cells, 
seeing if they are candidates for HIV therapy, uh, providing HIV therapy. But in addition, we support trauma nurses and community outreach workers from the many associations we partner with. We have support groups. We have uh, individual counseling for people who need it from post-traumatic stress, depression, or anxiety, or multiple losses, as well as support and therapeutic groupings. We're very excited by a group we have every Sunday where we have 175 children who come together in an area in Kigali, uh, spend about three hours, play, have a good meal, usually the best meal or only meal of the day for them, and then for the older kids get to take some English as a second language as well as art therapy. So it's a way to actually ensure that the children and the young adolescents that we're seeing have a time to be children and adolescents. These are children who are HIV positive. All HIV infected. We see about 600 HIV infected children right now in our program. And so they've seen the ravages of the disease in an older generation. Yeah. That must have a tremendous impact on their development. Absolutely. Um, one, about 17% of the children we see are orphans, and about one out of three have lost at least one parent to HIV. So many of them are living with grandparents. Um, some children are living on their own. Some have lost their family members from the genocide as well as from HIV. So there's an enormous amount of need. We, we, we estimate that about 20% of the children are considered depressed by the relative who they're living with and need special attention in order to feel committed to taking their medication, adhering to therapy, going to school, and growing up to fulfill their potential. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me, my guest is Dr. Marge Cohn, and we're discussing HIV, the deliverance and care by, in a clinic situation in Rwanda. Uh, you mentioned the uh, organizations that you partner with. Uh, could you explain that to me and, and possibly yeah. name them and tell sure. me what they're all about? In Rwanda, there are a lot of things called associations, and these are associations that are not like against the government agenda. Rather, they're associations that get registered to help the government's agenda. So some of the really important ones that we've partnered with from the very beginning were, are called Avega, which is an organization for widows from the genocide, Achuzuzu, which is a psychosocial group for uh, women and children, um, SWA, the Society for uh, Women with AIDS, Ernanan, which is another sort of psychosocial group and, and trauma counseling group. We actually have partnered with about 27 of these associations, and some of them have tentacles and small groups in all parts of the country, so there's thousands of women in some of these groups. Why it's important for us and why I think it's a really great model is that these associations bring patients to our clinics, say Monday a certain four or five associations are scheduled to bring their patients, Tuesday another four or five associations, and that allows there to be sort of an organized and influx of patients without anybody having to worry about it, but also if patients are not coming who should have come back, we can ask the association outreach workers to find them. In Rwanda, patients don't have telephone numbers and addresses that you could send letters to, you sort of need someone who can go find them who's, who they feel um, connected to and not afraid of. And association outreach workers provide that for us in a really great way. Here we might all call them an agency. Various charitable agencies bring patients to doctors. I, I'm interested in the organization you mentioned, Evega, an organization of women who have been widowed. Do any of them become involved in the orphans that you mentioned earlier? Almost every family that I've met in Rwanda cares for orphans who were orphaned during the genocide. 
Um, and now, increasingly, also families care for children who are orphaned from HIV. So, yes, we see many women who are caring for their own families as well as those of their neighbors and those that they are in contact with. I don't feel they often have enough resources to do that, but the, the generosity of spirit is, is, is very apparent. When you mention resources, is there a problem with nutrition? We know that if a person uh, is not well-nourished, even if you give them drugs for HIV, they're not going to recover. It's a very big problem. When we were starting the program, for the first year, we were, we were able to access the World Food Program, and we had these sacks of food that would feed six people for a month that the families would come and get. And then the World Food Program was unable to continue providing those for programs in Rwanda. And so we're very, very concerned with the need for nutrition. We say food, food, food. It's critical that there be available food. We don't have enough resources. And a lot of women in the city don't have the land to grow their food. Outside, there's some better possibilities for growing food. But in the city, there's just small patches. It's very dense. Rwanda is one of the densest countries in the world. Um, it and Haiti are the densest countries in the world. And part of that sort of creates an economic agenda and difficulties with getting the food to people who need it most. In many of these countries, women are small farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're ill, then they can't farm their crops. So I would imagine this kind of mushrooms. If there's not adequate food, they're ill, and the process goes on. It's like two epidemics, one nutrition and one HIV. Absolutely. And I think that's not recognized enough, how important it is to have sufficient nutrition in order for us to actually combat the HIV epidemic. Is your organization involved in any basic research? Yeah, um, because I do research in the States in a, in a research agenda called the Women Interagency HIV Study, or WISE for short, which has been going since 1994, we had um, the ability to sort of use that same approach to investigate how women in Rwanda dealt with HIV, responded to medications, what the issues of stress were for their immune system, how their gynecologic exams and pap smears were impacted by HIV. And we were funded initially by the NIH as a supplement to Dr. Kathy Anastas's grant related to WISE and began our research study called WISA, Rwandan Women's Interagency Study Assessment. And WISA has enrolled 900 women, 700 who are infected and 200 who are uninfected. About 50% of each group has experienced genocidal rape. Everyone in the groups were in Rwanda in 1994. And a lot of our study questions have to do with adherence to therapy, response to therapy, how the significant issues of depression and post-traumatic stress impact both adherence and disease progression. And we have found, because we've had about four visits every six months, women, the 900 women come again for study visits, and it's been incredibly amazing how the Rwandan staff and participants have been able to sort of learn about this work of research and have really accommodated it. Um, And I just want to share two very interesting things is one, for us, it was really hard to think about how do you do informed consent with women in Rwanda in a research study. And one of the ways we sort of came to figure that out was we used a 
DVD. So we had a video on a computer, on a laptop, that the women could look at when they came to learn about the study, and that allowed them to see everything that was going on in the study, everything that would happen. Blood would be drawn, history would be taken, a pel pelvic exam that most of the women had never had. Everything would go to the lab, and we'd ask them all these questions. So they were able to learn a lot about it. And the women told us that the best way to actually explain something to someone in Rwanda is to use poetry. So part of the informed consent, which is about a 20-minute DVD, includes an 11-minute poem by a poet in Rwanda from one of these associations that really shares issues of confidentiality. And she has her daughter in this DVD have a Rwanda, traditional Rwandan basket in which she then poetically says, well, all the information that we're getting from you in this research will be kept in this Rwandan basket. And only those people who have access to the information, who really will combine without your name and without any identifying data, your information and others, will be able to look at this information. So it's a great sort of Rwandan-specific explanation of uh, informed consent and conf confidentiality. I want to thank Dr. Marge Cohn, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing HIV delivery care in Rwanda. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.